Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Macadamian, where we explore the intersection of technology and healthcare. We've worked with many innovative companies to design and develop digital products that improve people's health. And we want to share all that we can to help people build better products. So let's get to today's episode. So today on our show, we have um, a very special guest, our VP of Customer Solutions, Taiman Ladain. Taiman, thank you so much for joining me. It's my pleasure, Ali. So let's, you know, dive right in. We are talking about a interesting subject matter, telehealth. It's a burgeoning industry. You know, I was looking at a recent study that said that telehealth is going to go from being worth $83 billion in 2020 to $319 billion in 2025. Now, before we dive into that, what is telehealth? So I've been personally involved in telehealth since the early 2000s. Um, and telehealth is essentially the ability to deliver care through um, technology. Um, and it, typically, it's associated with the ability to have a clinical um, exchange uh, with uh, between a patient and a clinician over what we're using for uh, for this podcast, which is a, a, a video meeting. But it can also be by phone. Uh, it can also include you know remote health monitoring that's uh, supported through a virtual coach. So it's getting quite quite broad, but it's uh, is typically associated as the delivery of care at a distance, as opposed to the traditional face to face care that we were so used to with uh, with our uh, GPs. Yeah, that's a great definition of it. So now, why are we seeing such exponential growth around telehealth? I have to say, it's one of the side benefits, I guess, of this pandemic was that it it quickly became the only way in many cases for uh, care to be delivered. Um, and as a result, some of the longstanding barriers to telehealth adoption uh, from, from the past were, were finally addressed by, uh, by the, uh, the groups that pay for care uh, by essentially um, ensuring that it could, be, uh, it could be reimbursed so that all of a sudden these clinicians or specialists could actually be paid for delivering the services that they traditionally in many cases, exclusively delivered through a face-to-face visit. Yeah, so you know that's a good point you bring up. So essentially, there was a time where these digital means of communicating with a patient would wouldn't necessarily mean um, a paycheck for, say, for example, a doctor. But now that has changed. Absolutely correct. So the technologies that even today are being uh, deployed uh, for telehealth existed and were were being introduced in the uh, you know early 2000s and uh, the biggest challenge to adoption was really never technology uh, so much as the reimbursement models that yes they they couldn't be adopted because no one would pay for care delivered uh, via that means and it was really used more for delivering care to remote communities where you know the cost of travel was was excessive or in you know in particular um, use cases uh, such as telephone triage, as some of the states and, and provinces have done to you know address people going into emergency rooms when they really may not need to. So providing kind of patient education and decision uh, support to to allow them to make you know an educated decision as to whether or not they really need that face to face care. Uh, but otherwise, you know it uh, the the traditional model of care was uh, 
was largely, uh, you know, the, the way we've been delivering it for, for decades. That's interesting. I feel like if there's any kind of silver lining to this pandemic, it's the fact that it helped us develop this, this, this business model around um, using telehealth, um, making it more functional and in, in, in the healthcare space as we know it. But you brought this up. Telehealth has been around. It was here prior to the pandemic. The pandemic just sort of um, sped up the need for telehealth. Tell us like a few more reasons why you feel like how the pandemic has made telehealth even more important. Yeah, so I, I think that telehealth, as I, as I mentioned, traditionally has has been used for for a, maybe a narrower subset of, of use cases, um, and you know people need to to receive uh, healthcare services. They can't stop, and we we see the impact on uh, on patients and on the healthcare system overall when um the care is is for whatever reason um you know being being held up or or delayed uh, as a result of a situation such as we're facing with the pandemic um and so there was essentially across the world uh you know a single catalyst for figuring out both from a technical perspective from a clinical workflow perspective and from a reimbursement uh model how we could uh, remove these barriers because it was essentially our only option, right? And so it just really aligned everyone on a common goal, which is how do we continue to receive the care we need and deliver the care that our our patients need for as long as uh, as we're uh, we're living in this uh, in this situation. And you know, you brought up the fact that now there's a potential for now telehealth to become a bit more ubiquitous. We're going to see it. Not just, for example, in remote communities, it's going to be used across, you know, urban centers across the entire country. Um, are you noticing, or I guess I should probably phrase a question like, how are you uh, finding telehealth is making healthcare more equitable? Is it making healthcare more equitable, first of all, and if so, how? Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of people are quickly getting comfortable. Uh, with the benefits of of telehealth that they may not have before. I mean, I was just talking to a colleague recently who asked me, are we ever going to go to the grocery store anymore now that we can kind of order by phone or order online? And I think telehealth is similar, right? It's um, people realize, wow, it's so convenient, like opening an app to, uh, you know, to make a request as I'm sitting in my pajamas on a Saturday morning to determine, you know, how I treat a certain ailment you know, is very convenient. Um, and having your family doctor say, you know, we're going to meet with you by phone at 2 p.m. And actually having that phone call happen at 2 p.m. on the dot, whereas you remembered waiting for 30 to 40, 45, 60 minutes, sometimes in that waiting room to see them, right? So all of a sudden you realize, wow, I, I got what I needed out of the interaction. Um, you know, I, I sorted out the healthcare problem and yet here was all these side benefits. I never had to leave my home. It happened you know, on, on time. And, um, and I, you know, I, I was none, you know, no, no worse for, uh, for, for wear as a result. Yeah. You know, cause when I was thinking about this question, I thought a bit about, um, individuals who might not have access to, I don't know, a vehicle or who might have uh, mobility challenges and they can sort of, you know, you know, get access to healthcare from the comfort of their own couch. 
So are we seeing that happen more and more thanks to thanks to the growth of telehealth? Absolutely. And and they're seeing this change across that traditional provider model where, you know, your primary interaction with the healthcare system forever was, you know, through your family doctor. And now we're seeing that model changing with, you know, service providers providing kind of in-app clinical uh, support through just simple messaging uh, to kind of video visits from your phone or your desktop. Uh, We're seeing that that model shifting and people's preferences as a result are shifting to that. Uh, And that's why the, the adoption of telehealth via phone has been such a huge success is they've actually seen that it diverts people from going to the emergency. So when you realize that, you know, you can safely treat a fever of 104 with your, um, that your child has, you know, because it's, they've only had it for five hours and that's not a reason to go to the eMERGE, but in fact can be treated through, you know, through uh, products you can get from your pharmacy, then it gives that the parent the reassurance that, you know, well, I'm going to wait a day or two, make sure the fever subsides and I won't go as I plan to uh, drive, drive the kid to the emergency room because um, uh, because I've received this this advice from a, a nurse on my, on my phone. Uh, and it's those types of exchanges that people were, are, are embracing and realizing, wow, there's an alternative um, that, that gets me what I need, but is, is clearly more convenient and, and ultimately saves a lot of uh, costs to the system overall. Yeah, I, I'm finding that in, you brought it up. Uh, it's, it's more convenient. It's making healthcare in general a bit more efficient as well. Um, what, what other problems is telehealth solving for us? So in, in the pilot that we did back in the early 2000s, the problem we were looking to solve is the, um, the, the time that these uh, nurses were spending in their cars driving between the homes of chronically ill patients to be able to take their vital signs and, and uh, meet with them and, uh, you know, and, and report on their, and on their care and their progress. Um, and so, you know, the, the solution with telecare, with telehealth was to be able to have those nurses deliver it from a workstation so that they could see more patients, avoid all that windscreen time, uh, and, and yet deliver the same care. Um, and what's interesting is that we were so focused on what the patient was going to lose, that face-to-face contact time. And we thought, you know, it would be interesting when we did the wrap-up to see uh, what, were the, what were the impacts um, to the patient of adopting this new technology. And we were actually surprised by what we heard because, you know, in many cases, you know, patients would spend the morning cleaning their home to make sure it was presentable when their nurse showed up. And when the nurse said, I'll be there uh, Thursday morning, it could be any time between 8 a.m. and noon. And so, you know, in many cases, they had a busy social life and, and they basically had to, you know, you know, sit at home to make sure they were there for their nurse. Whereas they said, you know, when my appointment was bo- booked at 930, I knew that was, you know, I'd be done by 10 and could, could head out, out, of, out of the house. And I was still able to kind of show my nurse my, my new uh, cat or, you know, exchange recipes. So there was still over the technology, the ability to have those personal connections that are so important in those face-to-face meetings. Um, and so we're seeing, you know, an amplification of the benefits for which telehealth was developed and, and a minimizing of some of the concerns uh, that we originally saw with, with patients and clinicians adopting this technology 
that, that really have actually kind of benefits that, that outweigh the disbenefits uh, that are going to ultimately drive broad adoption. Yeah, uh, you brought up the example of, you know, these individuals showing their, their pets to these nurses. I think that's, that's kind of key because you, you want to keep the exchange as um, human-centered as possible. And so there is potential for that in telehealth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's going to always be a bit of a, a barrier to the distance, which is why it's so effective, because it keeps it prevents COVID spread. But it's amazing how much uh, you still get out of a video visit, an audio visit when you're seeing the individual. There, there's still quite a bit of the connection, a personal connection that can happen in that clinician's office or in that home visit um, that, uh, that, that, that you're losing through the technology. Right. You know, this question just popped up in my, in my mind now. Um, are there any, is there anything that telehealth cannot address or cannot solve in the, in the realm of healthcare? That's a great question. And, and the biggest one was, was seen as vital sign capture, right? You know, you think of the traditional clinical visit, there's the manual arm cuff and the stethoscope for heart lung sounds, um, you know, blood oxygen. Uh, and so to a greater degree, some of these things have been addressed. So now you can go to your pharmacy and buy a $40 blood pressure cuff. Um, you know, and, and so the, 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 cost of vital sign monitoring devices that patients can just buy for their own use uh, is is going down and even you know fda approved and clinical grade devices are quite affordable um, and so the you know clinician can actually just ask them you know take your have you taken your blood pressure today can you do it for me right and, and uh, you know there's devices now allow you to hold a stethoscope head to your chest as directed by a clinician so that they through a headset can actually listen to those heart and lung sounds. So the technology from a medical device uh, side is, uh, is growing so that these devices are now operative over uh, a video visit where they might have traditionally been designed just for um, face-to-face visits. And, and we're actually interacting with a number of uh, medical device manufacturers who are coming to us just for that purpose to say, how do I make this device that, you know, was really designed for a clinician's uh, visiting room or office, how do I make this now operable um, via, via telehealth solutions? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's in a way you're also getting the, the patient to be a bit more, um, there, there's a sense of empowerment when you're, when you're you know, doing these, these things on your own, checking your own blood pressure, obviously under the guidance of a, of a medical practitioner, but there's an element of empowerment there. Um, do you... You know, we I, I, we started this conversation with with the influx of 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 money that's going into telehealth. It, it's it's a growing it's a growing space. When do you think telehealth will become the norm in the healthcare space? Are we there yet? I mean, the norm sort of implies that it will displace kind of traditional face to face care, and I'm not sure that will ever get there. But I think what we're seeing is an acceptance uh, and a desire to leverage telehealth when um, we feel like the the benefits outweigh the disbenefits, right? When there's, you know, when the the concern we have could easily be done uh, over a telehealth visit. I mean, a good um, for anyone who's you know been concerned with you know a mole on on their skin. 
you know, with, with the quality of smartphone cameras today, there's really no reason to see a dermatologist or even your, your family physician to determine, you know, whether, whether you should be concerned about a mole. You could literally take a very high resolution image of it with, with any, any smartphone you have, email it to your physician and get a response back. Right. So I think what we'll see is, is this change that there's going to absolutely be a core set of things that you want to see a specialist uh, in person for. But we're going to see a growing number of, of concerns that are, are much more effectively treated through a telehealth um, visit uh, or even asynchronously through an exchange of you know, emails. Um, and, uh, and I think we're going to see that type of adoption grow as, as we look for overall ways of making the healthcare system um, more cost effective while also delivering the, you know, the best value to uh, the patients and the best level of care. Right. And so this is, I guess, my sort of last question. And it's, it's around that norm of what telehealth would look like. So from what I gather, it will be a hybrid almost. It will be an environment where we'll have this, you know, digital communication going on in terms of getting access to healthcare, but individuals will also have the option of going in person um, to get their, to get a health check. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned, you know, where, where will it really play a, a, a defining role? I mean, it, it shocks me to hear that, you know, colleagues in, in parts of the world where they live waiting years to find a, you know, a, a family physician, right? So there's many, many people for whom they don't have an, a currently kind of a trusted healthcare source that within a reasonable time they can actually book an appointment with. And that, I think, is going to be where telehealth is going to play a huge role because that will bridge the, you know, the gap between those that uh, for whom, you know, care is, is readily accessible, affordable care is re- readily accessible, and those for whom it isn't. Um, and so they'll be able to, um, you know, visit with a clinician via telehealth solution because that, that clinician, that specialist can be pretty much anywhere in the world because of the technology. And so it bridges the gap in, the, in those locales um, where, um, where you don't have access to that care. Yeah, and that brings me back to my earlier point about, you know, making healthcare a bit more equitable. That was a very fascinating conversation, uh, Time, and I, you brought some valuable insights. I appreciate your time in talking to me. My pleasure. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Ollie.